All right, everyone. Welcome to another edition of What's What BR. We have returning guests, Gary Graves, Congressman Gary Graves. I got to make sure I do my political official endorsements. How are you, sir? Hey, doing great. How about you? I am awesome. It is the Friday before. I feel like everything's slowing, like we're about to hit slow motion, but it's been such a, for me, I know for you as well, it's been just this race to get to this moment to date ourselves we're like the 17th right it's three o'clock it's every like there's people think there's two hours left in the world to get stuff done this year yeah no what it feels uh, like it's, it's, it's almost time to start uh, doing our christmas shopping i think exactly <laughs> i talked to somebody the other day they were like i have all my stuff done look at my tree they showed me a picture and i'm like you're not working hard enough and they yeah. go what do you mean i got it all done i said no if you've got all your christmas shopping done you're not working hard enough in my book so. Yeah, no, our our, um, our daughters they they were um, they were pretty clear because I said, look, I got to leave town tomorrow. They're like, Dad, if you don't get us a Christmas tree, this was a few weeks ago. If you don't get us a Christmas tree today, you're getting nothing but cold for Christmas. I mean, they were just you know they were they were really <laughs> adamant because I I planned on doing it the weekend before and and ran out of time and uh, so so yeah, it, it is amazing those people that that. You know, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, Christmas trees up, decorations are out. Uh, I'm always a little envious of those folks. My, uh, I have a, my 13-year-old daughter is turned into that person. My wife loves the Christmas. They're ready to do it. They were literally like Thanksgiving night. You know, they would have done it the week before, but I was like, no, I'll bring, I'll get everything down. I'll bring the trees. I have four trees in my house. I'm not lying. Four Christmas trees. Wow. And I was like, I'm not bringing them down, you know, right now. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I got to go run some errands. I left the 13 year old went in the attic and drug it all down herself (laughs) and was putting it up. And I was like, okay, I can't have another one of your mother. You know, it's like, you're just a little mini me running around. (laughs) And they sat there for two days straight. And it looked like I was moving. So I had tubs everywhere in the house, but it was done. And I enjoy it now. I appreciate it, but yeah. it was oh my god, I had work to do. Yeah. Well, you know what though, it is it is awesome because, as you well know, you get sucked up in work and you're just running around, running around, and you you kind of forget about the season that we're in right now. And uh, and so you come home and you got the decorations up, Christmas tree lights are on. I mean, it it it, it reminds you of the season. It reminds you of of uh, kind of the background and the importance. And uh, I think it's I think it's awesome. And I loved. That, that our daughters were, were pushing so hard on it. And I think it is very important to, to not let this pass. Absolutely. I told somebody the other day on the show, my, I joke about it and kind of harass like we just did, but there is, I enjoy more than anything. I stay up late. I'm a night person and I love everybody in my house is asleep and I've got the Christmas, you know, tree lights on and I'm just sitting there on the couch, you know, and I've got an iPad just kind of doing some more, but it's just peaceful. At that point, I don't know how to describe it. Just dark house, nothing but Christmas tree lights on. And I feel like, you know, and I kind of breathe and I kind of just think to myself, I'm like, did we really just go through all this? Are we still like, are we how? Okay. You know, we'll, uh, we'll do it again. So, so anyway, dive it in. I know you've got a million things to do. Tell me, uh, you've had some things going on. I've been seeing your name buzz associated, you know, doing a lot of recovery work, you know, around the Ida stuff, you know, that's for some reason that still seems to be an uphill battle. Like this is new to people. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> well, uh, you know, first, Brandon, I mean, Hurricane Ida was, was really incredible. And I had the chance to fly over a lot of the areas right after the hurricane and, of course, been on the ground a good bit. And uh, just seeing the power of that storm. And look, we've all been through hurricanes before and they're all a little different. But my goodness, just the, the uh, some of these areas, Lower Terrebonne Parish and, and Lower Lafouche Parish. And then, you know, going on up through St. Charles and St. John and, and all around Lake Marpaw and Lake Pontchartrain in, in these communities. And, you know, Livingston Parish, Tangipahoa and, and, and East Baton Rouge and Ascension, I mean, just, just pounded uh, the wind. And you can see the areas that storm surged, the areas that got a lot of rainfall and the areas that just got pounded by the wind. And I even remember driving down uh, I-12, you're, you're driving and, you know, as you as you go, you see where the, where the trees were, were laying north versus south. And it's where, you know, the, the, the storm, the, the eye of the storm must have come right through because, because that's where the wind direction would have changed. I mean, just amazing to see how powerful it was, how widespread the damages were. But, but even, you know, only the second time I've ever seen where a hurricane was so powerful that it blew down brick, brick homes, brick buildings, uh, you know, that is just amazing. And then, um, you know, we, we were able to, to make a lot of progress and able to secure about a billion dollars in extra recovery funds. This is on top of all the FEMA dollars. And that's a billion dollars goes directly to people whose, whose homes were destroyed, um, helping them recover. Uh, we're able to secure about $2 billion in, in new flood protection and dredging type investments, helping to make our communities safer. So when we rebuild, we truly are stronger. Um, and even though it's a lot of money, it's it's not enough. And so we're continuing to work now and, and with the uh, tornadoes in the Midwest and Kentucky and Illinois and some of these other areas, we now have a, a larger coalition of people working with folks from California from the wildfires. And again, the 2020 and 2021 hurricanes here and now the tornadoes working together with those states on, on recovery legislation, not just the money, but also how do we make this process work better to where uh, disaster victims aren't victimized again just by the red tape and bureaucracy of our own government. That's that, well. That's what I was kind of like about to lead and ask. It would almost seem like, and full disclosure, I don't follow. You know, I don't follow as close on all the politics and watching sessions and bills. But it's like this have these disasters, not just the hurricanes, the wildfires, the tornadoes, everything. And it seems like every time something happens, guys like you've got to go and fight, you know, to get this the money it's like why don't we pre-plan for this like allocate it set it to yeah. the side and go and even if it is like i don't know it seems simple to me like from a business owner it's almost like hey i'm gonna go allocate some money i'm gonna put it over here to the side and say if this happens and this box gets checked and this box this box then boom money just flows out the door and it's just kind of like yes we got hit by a hurricane it did impact this many people this is where it was and then money goes and then we can immediately help rather than having to go fight for it, it seems like. If it's a wildfire or wherever it is, maybe it's like that. I don't know. But it seems you like know, it's you, always you, you, having to fight. You got to be careful about that, Brandon. You're trying to apply common sense to government, and, and, the, and the two are just entirely incompatible. I mean, look, it, it, you're exactly right, and seriously, um, look, disasters are devastating. I mean, you know, people whose homes were just, just completely wiped out all of their belongings, what are they going to do with their family? Where are they going to live? I mean, look, these are, these are tragic times in the aftermath of these disasters. And, and, and this isn't the first time. It's, you know, Katrina, Rita, Gustav, Ike, Isaac. I mean, these things are going to happen again. Uh, 
And, and this should not be rocket science. This should not be reinventing the wheel each time. But, but just to put things in perspective, we got uh, about $600 million for hurricanes, Lar Delta, Zeta. We got about a billion for Hurricane Ida uh, for this recovery program that I mentioned. And so we're talking to the agency, the, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development that administers this program. We're like, all right, tell us your time. And like, well, for the Lara Delta Zeta funds, we think we're going to publish the rules on how the funds can be used in January. And you're just like, okay, wait. The storm was in August. We appropriated the funds one month later. One month later, got 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 six hundred million for uh, for Laura Delta Zeta. Got the billion for Ida, and 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 you're talking about writing rules for the 2020 disasters in 2022, and you were unable to give us a timeline for when you're going to write the rules for the 2021 disaster. Like, first of all, why is there a new set of rules? Why does it That's take months to, to do the same thing you've done dozens of times over and over again? This should be a copy and paste, and it should have happened on October 1st. And, and so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's infuriating. And it's just, you know, so then you have people that I'm going to meet with, and they're like, yeah, I'm living, uh, people down in, in, in Lower Timberland Parish, for example, the elevated homes, we went down, they had people that had just wrapped tarps around the 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 telephone the uh, you know the the poles that were elevating their home the telephone poles elevating their homes um, the pylons they had wrapped tarps around and they were just living in there inside that you know and so I'm sitting here saying yeah well there's a billion dollars but I mean I just I feel stupid even saying it because they're like wait a minute there's a billion dollars and I'm living in a tarp you know and and you're <laughs> just like it's just well, infuriating. You go back to Washington, you're talking to these people. It's like, we don't have time for this. The people are living, you know, in a, in a, in a tarp and, and these bureaucrats, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable the disconnect. And so I've, I've wanted to write amendments and just say, you have to live in a tarp until they're in a house, you know, or in somewhere that it's rational. No, um, it's, it's like you said, I've, in my mind, it's like cop, like, in word right copy and paste find and replace like find you know this pair like why are we rewriting rules and what gets me on this and i always say i'm never trying to be you know and not investigative or point anything out but just i've got to say it as you're talking about it's like but a lot of these people that have got these the bureaucrat the whole thing they'll put their buddy with the contract to go in, you know, and help. It's like, we'll take care of him first and make sure that we've got, like, I know some people that have these standby contracts that they're frankly just paid for if and when it happens. So it's like, we'll do that work on the front end. Why aren't we doing this other work on the front end and saying, hey, we're yeah. going to, if nothing else, say, like, I guess it's back to the business thing. Like, there's a, there's a rule in most companies it's like if you need to write a check you can write a check for up to this amount no matter what after that then you need to come and ask for permission like why can we do that like okay you can immediately just take you know a hundred million dollars you know or 60 million and just immediately like here it is in the account go while we're working on the other stuff and get people moving yeah and, that would and seem obvious <laughs> Well, and, and like I said, uh, common sense and government oftentimes see in, seem entirely incompatible. But but it's that's largely what we did. We got together with Congresswoman Stacy Plaskett, who represents the Virgin Islands. And, and look, Hurricanes Irma and Maria just pounded that area. And so she called me and said, Garrett, this is infuriating. I'm like, yeah, it, it really is, because 
she knew that we had done a good bit of work in that in that disaster space. <coughs> and so um, we actually got together and introduced a bill, bipartisan bill, that that largely did exactly what you said. It it it, it first of all, right after the disaster, did a preliminary damage assessment and cut a check to the states or to the parishes of a certain percentage of overall damages, but it was automatic. You didn't have to go through all these actions in Congress and everything else. I mean, we were able to get money for Hurricane Ida one month after the storm, but for Hurricane Laura, it was 14 months later. Who's got 14 months to wait? So so our bill would have been an automatic deployment of, of the dollars, but also instead of going through and publishing the rules and then filing an application and literally, and I'm not making this up, they'll often have three or four times where the same exact thing is checked to make sure it's it's in compliance, which yes, you're exactly right. Going back to my buddy getting the contract kind of thing. There's some bureaucrat's buddy who's getting paid for each one of those times they do the same thing. You know, it's, it's, yep, looks good. Yep. Still looks good. You know, and, and they're getting paid each time. And, and so what our bill would do is it would, and, and this passed out of the House Transportation Committee, it would just, it would set up an automatic fund that's there every year, right after the disaster, a portion of the funds are given to the states or to the parishes or counties. They have a good bit of flexibility or autonomy um, to, to give those dollars out without all of these, you know, checks, uh, you know, we have to go through and review the same thing over and over again. And look, just to put in perspective of how bad this is, there needs to be accountability if there's a better balance. 2016 flood. We got $1.7 billion for, the, for, for this recovery program, it's supposed to be for individuals. Here we are, 2016 flood. We got the dollars starting one month after the flood. We got another chunk four months later and another chunk about eight months later, $1.7 billion. Here we are in 2021, almost 2022. So over five years later of $1.7 billion, Take a guess at how much of that has actually been awarded directly to the homeowners, the people whose homes were destroyed. Take a guess. Uh, oh, I don't even. I, I was one of those. So now this is getting personal. <laughs> it, I can't even imagine. It's it's, it's right around six hundred and fifty million dollars out of one point seven billion. Now look, getting one point seven billion from other the other forty nine states that didn't experience the disaster. That's not easy to do. I mean, that is us out there pounding the pavement, doing meetings with all these people, trying to show them the pictures, flying them down here and taking them around, trying to get some sympathy from these folks. That is really hard to do. Like I said, for the 2020 hurricanes, Laura Delta Zeta, it took 14 months to get the first dollar. We, 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 you know, we, we, we did all this work, we get the money and we're thinking, okay, good. You know, now we're in the end zone. Everything's great. Here we are five years later, over five years later. And, 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 you know, basically somewhere around a third of the money has been given to these homeowners. I mean, it's just, it's, it's baffling. And, and I'll use the word a third time infuriating to watch these things happen. And that's why we've been trying to do what you said is a little bit more common sense, getting the dollars out faster, providing a little bit more flexibility and that you can't predict exactly what the needs are going to be and what the impacts are going to be from every single disaster. So you can't, you can't have these really tight set of rules. You got to be a little bit more flexible on, on, on how this stuff works and be more rapid or agile on getting the dollars out. Oh my God. It reminds me there's the, uh, you know, those motivational posters 
that people have, you know, it's like the bear with the fish, you know, and they tell you, you know, there's the salmon swimming upstream. There's a uh, website that I believe it's like despair.com and they do the reverse. And like, they've got one where it's got the Capitol building and underneath it, it says government, you know, in big letters. And it's like, and then below it, it says, if you think the problems we create are bad, just wait until you see our solutions. <laughs> That's good. We, um, you know, the, the Corps of Engineers is the agency that does a lot of the flood protection uh, and hurricane protection projects. So like the Comet project, we've done a lot of work on. Um, we were so infuriated with them and just, uh, you know, working with them. So we used to have a saying inside the office, um, they may be slow, but at least they're expensive. And uh, <laughs> and look, you know, we can sit here and laugh about it. Maybe it's something that goes on that, that website that you talked about. But look, this is this is not OK. And so many people have gotten to the point to where they're like, well, look, it's just government. And but but no, it's our government. And 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 we're victimized by our own government. And, and this is not OK. And so that's yeah, another area where we've been working to try to really transform or revolutionize how these these agencies work and and i'll tell you something you know we we actually did and after the 2016 flood i will i will um i will never forget this 2016 flood um all these people you know as you know homes completely underwater destroyed and so they're calling us for help well under this privacy act of 1974 in order for us to help they have to get a piece of paper that that you know we have on our website they have to print it out fill it out and sign it and then mail it to us. So I'm, you know, talking to these people. I'm like, hey, yeah, look, all you need to do is go to our website, click on this link, print out this form. And these people are like, um, yeah, did I not mention that my house, including my computer and printer are under eight feet of water? And, you know, so you're just like, ooh. Um, you know, and, and also this was written in the early 1970s and we've all got these now. And so, you know, we, we wrote a bill. I uh, got together with Congressman Joe Kennedy out of Massachusetts, bipartisan bill. We had some senators from um, Ohio and another state uh, bipartisan over there. So we had bipartisan bicameral bill that, that basically changed the law and allowed us to do this. And so you can now go online and do it all right here and, and, and not print out a form and mail it and wait for it to get to us. But it's just boom, we can immediately get working on it. And but it's, it's just one of those little things. But like you said earlier, Brennan, it's common sense. I mean, could you imagine if 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 Amazon, if you had to fill out an order form and mail it in, how long that place would be in business? I mean, it's it's just it's not rational. It's not keeping up with technology. It's not providing the level of service to people that they deserve. But because there's no competition within government, it just keeps happening. But Amazon would get shut down and somebody else would step in and, and take over because they'd be providing a better service. But because there's not competition within government, they're the they're the only entity doing it. Um, they're, they're not penalized for the bureaucracy. And we're trying to change that by providing sort of more competition. If, if the federal government can't do it, let's give the money to the state. Let's give the money to the parish or the local government. And, and, and in some cases, that model really has worked and inspired these bureaucrats to, to start being more innovative and realizing if they don't, they're going to lose their job. Uh, it reminds me of the old saying, you know, about consulting. If you're not part of the solution, there's good money to be made in prolonging the problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there, there was a lobbyist in in Washington that, that uh, maybe 20 years or so, he actually went to jail and he, he was he was creating the problems 
that his clients hired him or that future clients hired him to fix it. He was basically on both sides of it. He was, he was creating the problem and then getting oh. people to hire him to fix it. I mean, just, but he went to there jail. There was a guy, you. I won't say that. I don't even think, I don't think it was local actually, but there was a, I remember it was a sign and lighting company that ended up getting in trouble. They were running around at night shooting signs and lights out with a BB gun and okay. they would take a picture and mail it to the business owner saying, we'd be happy to come change your light. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's like, uh, the, that's like the tire shop that th th throws the nails out in the street, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, so tell me, so that's to jump us there because we could keep going, you know, all day there. Jumping in, you've been real instrumental on some of this infrastructure, and I've even heard, you know, there's this is a big this is a big bill. This is coming down. This is going to make some major changes where we're actually going to be able to, hopefully, I'm, I don't think we could ever say clear the backlog, right? But we could start working on the backlog if we can find the people. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. So, so look, I, you know, I, I, I think that there are five major issues that are that are um, really holding Louisiana back uh, uh, just to quickly reset things. Um, you know, you look at Louisiana back in like the early 1900s and the mid 1900s. I mean, Brandon, we were, we were blowing away Texas and Alabama and Georgia. I mean, we, we were really just the heart of the South. Um, and it was all based on the natural resources we had here. It was based upon the ports and the Mississippi River. The, the waterways we had access to were really controlled. We were the gateway. You know, all these things that were, were huge assets or strengths in the early and mid-1900s. That's why Louisiana was, was this powerhouse. But then now, look, I mean, you got you know, Houston and Texas, and, excuse me, Houston and Dallas and Austin, you got Atlanta, you got Birmingham and all these other cities that have just completely blown us away. But mm -hmm. those strengths that made us powerful in this economic center, then they're still here. They're, they're, they're still here. And, and I think that, you know, those five things that we need to fix infrastructure is right there at the top. I mean, we're not going to have this big, thriving, successful community if you can't even get from A to B because you're stuck in traffic. Um, and, and, and we all know right here in, you know, Baton Rouge Capital Region, we have fourth worst traffic in America for a mid-sized city. Uh, the Mississippi River Bridge is one of the worst bottlenecks in America, uh, you know, worse than all these other larger cities. Um, yeah, you've I've got read that we're the 66th largest city in the country. And our traffic is the fifth worst in the country. Yeah. I think is so, where. <laughs> so, so just think about the population of cities like Denver and Houston and Chicago and Dallas. I mean, all these cities that are much larger than we are, our traffic is worse than all those I named. Uh, Denver, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, <laughs> uh, our traffic is worse. And, and you're exactly right. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, and, and so we've got to fix that. But the other thing is, is, you know, as we're trying to lure economic development, we're trying to get people to move here, but then there's a risk of flooding. Well, wait a minute. Am I going to put my family? Am I going to invest all of my resources in a business in a place that potentially is going to go underwater? No, that that's not okay. And, and, and if we're not, you know, we can have awesome schools and churches and, 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 and job, uh, uh creations, you know, centers and, and, and manufacturing and all this stuff. But if it's underwater, doesn't matter. Even our roads are useless if they're underwater. And so that's another area of infrastructure. The good news is, even without the infrastructure bill, let me, let me say that again, without 
the infrastructure bill, we've been able to secure about $8 billion in, in infrastructure investments. And I mean, that's huge flood protection projects, projects providing a, a better resiliency from hurricanes, restoring our coast, and obviously some major transportation investments. So we're really excited about that. Um, the infrastructure bill has the potential uh, to bring some additional dollars to the, to the state, though. Um, I, I heard the governor this week, he was talking about it, um, and, and he kind of gave some sobering numbers. Um, he, he said that the state of Louisiana gets about $500 million a year right now in transportation funds. He said under the bill, the state will get about $600 million a year. But I think he said our, 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 our cost share will go up by about $50 million a year. So you can do the math and that nets only about, if I understood him correctly, about $50 million a year in, in extra money. So I think that Look, the strategy for us to ultimately fix some of these infrastructure problems is going to be using kind of some of these pathways that we've used so far, using some of these smaller bills that are more targeted on, on recovery to try to get um, our real infrastructure investments. And that's how we got the funds to, you know, for the Washington Street exit, that new terrace exit, and get the funds to build a new lane on I-10 from uh, from Highland Road down to Prairieville to get the new uh, funds for the PQ exit on on I-10 and you know the the new bridge all these things that need to happen I think we're really going to have to keep working kind of in parallel some of these individual bills where we've had huge success in pulling together about eight billion dollars in in new investments I mean these are these are these are record levels of funding uh, to to address our problems so. So we're going to keep working in parallel, working all these sources and try and um, continue knocking out these these infrastructure problems that are holding us back. But then, you know, look, I want to name the other four just because I mentioned it. But I but I think education is another huge one we got to work on. Crime is a is a really big one uh, that, that we have to address. Having the violent crime levels here is not OK. Um, I think some of our tort reform reliability laws mean, look, we can't continue having the highest insurance, auto insurance rates in America, or in some years recently, the second highest, that's not okay. And, and you know, the last one is just fixing our tax code in Louisiana. You, you watch what's happening with Texas and Florida in particular, we're having, they're having this mass migration to their states, and we're losing out on economic development. Um, Louisiana's got to take a look at our tax code and, and really take some of the better pieces of of tax codes from some of those other states and, and really just modernize it to make our state more competitive. Um, so, so fundamentals are strong here, but I think we've got, I think we've got five key areas where we've got to work and, and, and address uh, some of the, some of the areas that have been neglected for way too long. Yeah. You mentioned the tax. I've got a friend of mine that used to work for a firm outside of Louisiana, but they did tax work <clears throat> across the country. And he, uh, I believe he kind of either was kind of ran the Louisiana, division and they when they'd go back to the corporate office they literally would call louisiana the foreign tax you know division because it was such a mess with all this like this home rule state you know that we have that everybody's remitting you know wherever you, it's such a mess you know and it makes it complicated as a business owner it's like wait so i drove through that parish i need to go file taxes into that parish and i gotta mail it here and i got 64 forms now that i gotta file because i drive all around it we make it harder you know, for people. And that's, I don't understand. I just don't. I'm just the common business guy trying to do something. But one thing um, you had mentioned talking about the insurance and I wanted to bring it up because nobody really talks about it, but you and I had talked briefly and just 
to show kind of where you're getting literally down into the weeds on some of the stuff was the collision staging, you know, that ties back to that, you know, thing. And I bring it up, you know, because hey, I want people to know that, you know, that's what you're, you know, you're all the way down in the weeds, you know, on this. And so fill them in. This collision, yeah. I think this is just amazing. I mean, it's one of these things that like, this can't be real, but, but this happened. So there were there was a, a ring of people in the New Orleans area. And I mean, this was this was attorneys. It was, you know, people driving cars and trucks and all. But it was a ring that where they staged 120 traffic accidents. And I don't even know if I can use the word accidents in this case. But what they would do is they would, you know, for example, drive in front of an 18 wheeler and then just slam the brakes on and cause the 18 wheeler to just, you know, right into the back of them. And then they turn around and sue the trucking company. Um, and, and so they staged before they got caught. I mean, just listen to this number because you're just like, how in the world is that even possible? They staged 120 collisions, staged them, faked them, or, or created them or forced them to happen. They were real. I mean, these were real truck drivers and other people that were victims of this ring. But there were 120 staged accidents or, or forced accidents that they caused just one settlement from one of their 120 wrecks netted them 4.7 million dollars i mean you can do the math across 120 different of these of these you know accidents wrecks whatever and where's that money coming from where is that tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars coming from it's coming from you and I. We're all paying higher auto insurance rates because these criminals went out there and, and did this. And look, they all made a, a mint off of it. But but how in the world do you do 120 of these before you get caught? And that's what really stuck, you know, struck me. I'm just, this is crazy. So we started looking into it. There's not a federal law. Now, what they ended up catching them on was mail and wire fraud and all this stuff. But, you know, that's not okay. So we actually introduced a bipartisan bill, got together with Congressman uh, Henry Quaylar of Texas, and we introduced a bill that makes it actually a federal crime. And so that way you can bring in the resources of the federal law enforcement agency agencies as well uh, to identify some of these criminal rings and to hold these people accountable and to nail them. I mean, look, this is this is potentially months in, in jail and depending on the severity, uh, potentially millions of dollars in fines. Um, but, but we're going to hold these people accountable. We're going to put a big disincentive in place because it's costing you and me. And, and look, who does this impact the most? It impacts the people that can least afford it the most, um, because because the, it ends up that that uh, having the highest auto insurance rates in America it causes a bigger uh, financial impact and it's a bigger bigger financial burden on those among us that are least affordable that are trying to maybe get out of poverty or trying to work that job during college or or what have you and they've got to drive to get there and it, it's just it's inexcusable. We have to hold these people accountable. Yeah, that's incredible. I don't know what's I don't know what's more incredible. I guess the fact of them doing it, the money that they were getting out of it, or the fact that there wasn't technically anything. It sounds like illegal about it. There wasn't anything wrong at the time, so they had to go catch them on a technicality. You know, I mean, almost the Al Capone and tax mail evasion, and right? wire fraud, <laughs> mail and wire fraud. Oh my gosh! So I guess that means maybe they get away with it and they get to hang on to the money. 
or who knows? I don't know yeah, enough about well, the league. No, I, I think they're I think they're trying to go after all of that. Baby, can you imagine 120? And I mean, I'm not sure how many people actually got hurt because you you obviously had real victims from these things. I mean, these people that are you know that that are that you have somebody right in front of you and you know all of a sudden they slow down or then slam the brakes on. I mean, people are getting hurt. And uh, not to mention the emotional toll, financial toll, and then and then all of Louisiana is getting hurt by the additional cost of our insurance uh, going up, and and of course that just it, it just d- dissuades people from coming and locating businesses here because they're like, look, I don't want to have to pay such high insurance rates. It it, it makes doing business in Louisiana unaffordable. That's amazing. So. Last bit on maybe some good news. Wanted yeah. to talk because you might know some. The everybody here in this community's heard Bridge forever, right? You mentioned it in passing real quick a second yeah. ago, so I'm running back to it. It's I've heard recently. I've kind of met with uh, some Adam and some of his team over at the chamber, and they've done some things. And there's some there's always talk, right? Everybody's talking about this bridge, this bridge, the bridge. But it does it looks like it's a little closer. Like I heard, you know, there was, you know, we had so many sites that were pre-selected and the group that was doing that was doing something. And then now, like, hopefully maybe by March, they're going to come down to like a very few and kind of bring it out to the public to actually start having real conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So they've, uh, they've, they've narrowed it down to 20, um, was 17 and I think now it's 20, um, you know, look, Kind of a mixed bag here. One, um, it's not acceptable to me uh, to start a study, I think, three years ago and to narrow it down to 20 after that period of time. I see a map over your left shoulder. Um, I'm betting you if I give you a pen, you can say, you know what, it needs to be right about here. And and the urgency of a new bridge is so great that I think the process of um, coming up with a solution, it's got to have that same urgency. I think the process of designing and building that bridge, it's got to have that same urgency because this should have been started 40 years ago. I mean, literally 40 years ago, this should have started. So, so is it, um, you know, is it positive that things are moving? Absolutely. <clears throat> but I, I'm not going to tell you that I'm happy about this process. I, I the process has to reflect the urgency of the project. Um, I, I had uh, Sheriff Mike Kaz over in West Baton Rouge call me a while back, and you know Sheriff Kaz was was just heartbroken. And, and look, he's not a. I'm going to say this, and 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 he's not going to be mad at me for saying it, but he's not a very warm and fuzzy guy. He is a he is a, you know, hard charging sheriff, and and he was you could tell he was heartbroken, and and you know basically told me that Garrett look. He said, we just had a family that just got slammed into by a big truck because of the backlog uh, traffic up on the bridge. The, the, um, and, 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 you know, we had people die and they just like, I am, I am sick and tired of this. We've got to fix this. And he's right. And everybody's right. Who's as frustrated as, as you and I are about this. Um, we can do better as government. We can. Um, we have an amazing group of innovative people in this state. And, um, you know, I'll say it again, it's positive that it's moving, but this is something that doesn't have the time to move through the regular process. Um, I had offered an amendment 
uh, to an infrastructure bill a few months ago that just said, look, you have one year to, to make a final determination uh, to get this alignment done because I can't even go out as a, as a member of Congress, go out and try and secure funds for a bridge until there's a project. And there's not a project until they get down to one. And so um, uh, I'm, I'm a little frustrated by how long this is taking. I think this is like the eighth analysis that they've done. You know, why can't you take, why couldn't you take the other seven and, and, and go ahead and build on those instead of starting all over again? Um, so we're going to keep pushing them. To, to get down to that one, I think March, if I think they're supposed to narrow to three, and then they have to go through this big national environmental policy analysis that, as I understand, is, is still going to take like another year and a half or so. And so I, I don't see a path that reflects the urgency of the need for a bridge. Um, so um, I guess it's, in summary, you, know, you talk about all the summary, this I'm... isn't our positive note. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I thought it end all, but I'll give you one. I'll give you one. It's um. Somebody told me weird. I was watching, and it was they were talking about stock. You know, analyzing stocks, and the guy told me, you know, or the two were talking. It's like I'm. What are you doing? Well, I'm analyzing the stock. He goes, let me explain to you, son. It's really simple. When it goes up and to the right, it's doing good. We don't need to keep looking at it. You know, if it keeps going to the up and right, we're done. Like, why are you going to overanalyze this? This is for yeah. up and to the right is good. Down to the right is bad. That's all you got to know. <laughs> so there you go. So so look, I, I agree with you. I, I definitely want to end on a on a positive note. And so you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, you have this Comet project, which is going to help provide flood protection for for Baton Rouge, for Livingston and Ascension. Things been stuck since the early 1980s. We've got nearly 400 million dollars projects under construction and, and every penny they need to finish it's in the bank. Uh, so excited about that. You know, PQ exit, you can see the road construction happening there with the with the overpass that they're building. Um, that one's plowing forward. We got the new lane on I-10 that's now opened up um, uh, between Highland Road and, and uh, Prairieville. And so, you know, providing more capacity there. That's good news. Uh, we just, President Biden just signed a bill in the law that we had written uh, that's going to provide about 80 to $100 million a year in coastal restoration funds to Louisiana. So look, we got stuff that's happening that's positive. Um, there's no shortage of problems to fix, as, as, as you have noted. But, um, but we are bringing some solutions to the table. We've been able to break some log jams that have literally been there for decades. And, um, and we're just going to keep going through, knocking those out one by one and continue making progress and trying to force common sense on an international government because uh, our country's worth it and uh, still, still the greatest place in the world to live. Yeah, and exactly. That's kind of where I was going to put it. With all this spite, you have all these problems. It doesn't, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here and things are getting better. So too bad people just want to focus on the negative. So with that said, you got more important people to talk to than me. So I will let you get back to your day. I appreciate you giving me so much time and kind of letting everybody know what's going on. Um, I don't talk to you before Christmas, Merry Christmas. And hey, thank uh, you too. Happy New Year, man. I appreciate you. You as well. Enjoyed it. And, uh, good, good seeing you again. Thanks. All right.